Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. This is Week 12 Recap. I'm your host, Alex, joined by only one of my lovely co-hosts, Holt Smash. Holt Smash, what's up? Not much, man. Just uh, living the dream. Wouldn't it be nice if we could live the dream with our other friend, JB, who is taking all of our money and uh, going to PCB this weekend? It would be pretty nice, wouldn't it? Um, I just don't understand how who negotiated our contracts where he could take all the slow smoke advertising money and just go spend it all in one weekend at the beach. I think he's been having like some backroom meetings with the with the Duracell marketing people. <laughs> I couldn't. I don't know about you, but I could not imagine JB, <laughs> Tinder King of Memphis, leading a professional serious meeting. <laughs> He's got, like, a PowerPoint, like, he's, like, wearing a suit. Y'all want me to go to fucking Energizer? Because I fucking will. <laughs> I can see him. I'm surprised. I mean, while he's down there, he should definitely try to get some uh, dollars from Whataburger instead of spending so much money at Whataburger. Dude, he really should. I feel like Whataburger gets plenty of free advertising on this show. Yeah, ain't no, ain't no such thing as a free lunch, but shit, we do a lot of free advertising on our show. We really do, but that's just because we love food. Yeah, it's kind of kind of in our in our nature. Did you eat any good food this weekend? Dude, no. I've been eating like strictly healthy. Um, I, I've been like doing really bad on the weekend, so I've been uh, trying really hard to stay good this weekend. I'm down, uh, down at like a new low weight for me. So nice. Um, pretty happy about that. I got about four more pounds to go to reach a goal that I set like a year and a half ago, and I'm like almost there. So I'm try- I'm like I'm like trying really hard to be good just keep grinding man there's there's a guy i follow on twitter he's he is humongous and i i i feel like you've probably seen him because he's been on twitter a lot or he's kind of i don't know if he's viral but he's kind of um big no pun intended but he um it's just this big black guy and he um is supposed to lose like i don't know probably like 150 pounds or more and like i think he's lost weight but it's just it's taken him like over a year to like show progress and i just don't know like i mean i i want to support him and say keep keep pushing but like at some point you have to like kind of reevaluate to see like what's working what's not yeah well i mean i think i know you're talking about and i'm pretty sure that um he's just all about the the twitter followers yeah yeah i bet that, he like, just he plays to like the twitter followers more so than like you know actually trying to 
be good. Yeah. Before we talk about football this week, Holt, I do want to share with you, I did try some new barbecue that popped up across the street from me um, here in Atlanta. It's called City Barbecue, and it was actually pretty good. And I'm glad I'm telling you as opposed to JB because JB would uh, not hear me out on this. Yeah, he would just stick his nose up at you. You're like, oh, wait, it's, it's not from Memphis. Is it from Texas? Is it from Carolina? Nope. Okay, well, it sucks. Don't go there ever. Might as well go get a uh, Kroger barbecue. Kroger Crockpot barbecue. But um, the place, it's it's a chain barbecue place, and it originated in Ohio. And I don't know how many locations there are. Probably like 10 or 11 locations. But this is why you should always at least try a new barbecue. It was actually pretty good. And if you come here ever again in your life, well, we can go there because we can walk across the street to it. But it was, it was pretty good. Um, I went there Sunday, or excuse me, uh, Friday night, and it just opened up on Veterans Day Monday, so it hadn't been open a week yet, and it was packed Friday night, and I wanted to get, you know, like the sampler where you get pork, brisket, a couple ribs, and some sausage, but um, I could only get pork because the brisket was sold out, and the ribs sold out just before I got to the um, cashier, so kind of unfortunate, but I'll definitely try it again, but it was, it was pretty good all in all. I liked it a lot. Yeah, we should definitely hit that up sometime. I don't know when I'm going to make it back to Atlanta. Um, you know, like, I enjoy coming, but I hate going by myself like I did last time. Um, and I know uh, Dalton is definitely not going, so I'm pretty much going to have to wait on whenever JB feels like going, which, <laughs> yeah. you know, knowing him might be never. So, might be. but I don't know. We'll see. Well, I, I am making a lot of uh, trips from now until the end of the year to Memphis. Um, which isn't the same as Atlanta, but uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. I mean, maybe you can come here on the way to Chicago because we do have the best airports in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is the one good thing about Atlanta is you can pretty much get there from anywhere. Yeah. But um, I haven't eaten out, but I will tell you that I started making like some uh, like breakfast burritos at home. Yeah. And pretty, pretty damn good. Get like those big like burrito size like tortillas, like the huge one. And actually like a lot of people might think I'm crazy, but like I buy like the Walmart brand ones. They're, like, super thin. Yeah. And then you just, like, like put, like, some – I use, like, the uh, – you know how Pam has, like, the extra version uh, cooking spray? Is it – Or just, like – Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's – The does. olive oil, like, flavored cooking spray. So, like, it's zero calories, but, like, I just spray, like, a whole bunch of that in there, cook it on each side for, like – in the pan, I mean. And then cook it – cook the burrito thing on, like, each side, put, like, some eggs in there, some Canadian bacon, uh, put, like, some, some low-fat mozzarella cheese, and then maybe, like, a little bit of sriracha. It's actually, like – pretty damn good i even put like some uh some hash browns in there too um so i've been you know emerald turning into betty crocker over here <laughs> and jemima and <laughs> <laughs> hey, my man got shit on me <laughs> um it is kind of fun experimenting in the kitchen once you uh finally kind of branch out from your Stouffer's lasagna and DiGiorno pizza and you kind of like, oh, maybe I want to try to cook some things on my own. It's just like sometimes you don't want to put the energy in it. But then when you do, you're like, oh, this isn't too bad. Like, it's not too hard. I kinda... no. Yeah, I kind of like cooking, actually. It's kind of therapeutic for me. Plus, you know, when you're trying to eat healthy, it's really like the only way to go because it's the only way you can kind of control the portion sizes and True. make sure that, you know, there's not any added extra ingredients because, you know, a lot of restaurants will add like a lot of oil and stuff to stuff that you're eating. So you just it's hard to keep track of how much you're eating. But. You know, most people probably don't care, and, you know, I know you and JB don't care at all, but, um, you know, for different reasons, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, different, but, different, yeah. Different perceptions. Different, life, or... different lifestyles. <laughs> but, uh, no, definitely, uh, you know, definitely enjoy cooking. 
Um, it's very, you know, just enjoyable for me. I like buying like a ton of food and then uh, like cooking a bunch of it at once and having like a ton of leftovers and just kind of like nibbling at it like through the week. So, um, you know, I, I like it. Cooking, cutting grass and fishing all, all relaxing, right? Oh yeah. Actually, um, I wish that I like doing laundry. A lot of people like doing laundry. They say yeah. it's like really therapeutic. I've not reached that point yet. And dishes. I hate dishes too, which kind of comes along with cooking, unfortunately. But the only thing I hate more than doing dishes is having like, um, like dirty dishes. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I got you. Yeah. It's a tough life you're living there. Um, football this week, Holt. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of good games. Unfortunately, the biggest headline this weekend is the Tua injury. Um, my take on this is that everybody's going to blame Saban because he could have held him out for the entire game or held him out for that last drive where he got hurt. But the injury he had to his hip was completely independent of his ankle injury. So that could have happened to anybody at any point in the season. That's my take. Hold. What do you got on this? Yeah, I mean, I feel kind of the same way. I mean, it's just sort of, um, you know, I mean, first of all, um, you're trying to win the game, and I know that they were up pretty handily, and Mississippi State didn't really have a chance to come back in that game. But, um, you know, you definitely can't take anything for granted. And uh, Tua was cleared to play by the medical staff and, um, you know, all that stuff. So it's, it's really hard to say, like, you know, they should have taken him out, like, right for that specific, you know, situation. Um you know, because I think not only are they trying to win the game, but they're also trying to put up a lot of points and impress the committee, um, at least in my opinion, that it was important going into that game for them. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I think a lot of things kind of go into it. Um, you don't really see a lot of teams pull their quarterback in the first half. Um, usually, even when you're playing an FCS team, the quarterback will play the whole first half. But, um, you know, I mean, I definitely understand where people are coming from. And it did kind of seem like Mac Jones was – getting ready to go in and Tua kind of talks his way into that last series. Um, dude, it kind of sucks, man. It's kind of like some shades of like booby miles out there, like where, uh, you know, like Komen didn't have his helmet. So they had to put booby back in. And then uh, that's when he like tore his ACL or whatever. So, um, you know, tough, like movie reference right there. That's all I can think about. Like when it happened, you must've cried, but, uh, you must've cried like a baby in Friday night lights. Cause you talk about that. Dude, that's like my favorite movie. That's definitely my favorite sports movie of all time. I think like, Maybe Forrest Gump might be the only movie that I like more than Friday Night Lights. Ooh, sports movies. Um, I like I like The Sandlot, although it's not like I mean it's a sports movie. It's just like kind of a coming up of age. And for baseball, I like Bull Durham a lot too. Yeah, but uh, baseball. There's a lot of great baseball movies. Yeah, fo- now though, like and I do like remember the Titans, probably the best for football. But now, like when sports movies come on, like the um, previews for like coming to this theater soon. I just I don't know I don't get as excited to watch sports movies because I feel like they're they're overdone now. No, I do too. And um, maybe one day we'll make a sports movie about Tua or Nick Saban, but yeah, uh, maybe. Um, what was I gonna say? Do you enjoy the the uh, Twitter sphere memes uh, when when uh, Tua's dad meets Saban at the hospital? I haven't even seen that. Is that a thing going on right now? It's it's not like completely a thing, but I've seen a, a few of them because there's a there's like a screenshot of Tua's dad and his mom, and Tua's dad looks pissed. Like after, and it, it's probably not even him being actually pissed, but it just looks like he's kind of pissed. And it people are just yeah. going off with that, saying like, "Oh, he's pissed at Saban right now. He's going to take off his belt and whip his ass." Oh yeah. Well, I remember that whole thing about like, you know, Tua like 
to his dad, like beat, like hitting him with a belt, like when he like played bad or something. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. I was just yeah. That's that was like it turned it, it's it was like almost a thing because it was it was like a special on College Game Day and they said it and a bunch of people got all butthurt about it. No pun intended. <laughs> um, and then uh, it kind of became it sort of became a thing, but not really. Um, it went away like after a day or two, but um, yeah. But I think that's kind of what that's referencing. But yeah, I mean, I I think to his parents probably understand that. You know, two wanted to play, and I've been wanted him to play. I mean, it's just one of those things. Like, it's no one's fault. Like, it just happened. Like, you know, you can be like overly cautious, I guess, but you can't, you can't wrap in bubble wrap either. Like, I mean, at some point he's got to go out there and play. And, um, you know, there's never like a perfect time to take someone out of the game. Like, where it's like, oh yeah, once you're up by this many points, that's when you take your quarterback out. Like, it's just very, you know, it's kind of do it by feel. And it was a tough thing that happened. And um, you know, you hate to see it, obviously, because two is a great player. You know, Alabama fans miss having Jalen Hurst as their backup right now. Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, that was the thing is like, you know, as soon as Jalen left, you kind of knew like um, with Tua's injury history and all that stuff um, that there was definitely a possibility um, that he was going to get hurt again. And you don't have that safety blanket anymore with Jalen. And, um, you know, I'm happy for Jalen. Um, had a big win. Uh, last night as well, a big comeback win. But, um, you know, it does kind of suck for Alabama that they don't have that safety blanket anymore. And, you know, Mac Jones, for all I know, he may be awesome. But so far they've been very, very conservative with him, and they did not do anything with him in the in the game yesterday. I think this is when you'll truly see how good of an offensive coordinator Sark can be. With, um, with Kiffin, I mean, he looked – he made uh, whatever his name was – Got again the Coker. Blake Sims. No, well, him. Oh, Jay Coker. Both of them, actually, because both of them didn't look great, especially Coker at the beginning of that year when they won the championship. He didn't look great at all. He ended up making them great. I think he had, I think that was, you have to correct me. I don't know if they, they had Amari Cooper that year, but I feel like they did. Or they had, like, they had a good running back, obviously, because Alabama always have, has a good running back. But, um, that's when you could really see how good of an offensive coordinator he was because he they really developed Coker over the over the year there and had some good plays called for him. Now with Mac Jones, um, what everybody's saying is they're going to go back to the old style ground and pounds for Alabama football, and you know you saw you saw some good things with their running backs having good games, but you know when it gets down to playing Auburn or possibly getting the playoff where they're going to have to throw the ball, we'll really see how uh, how far they can go with. Uh, Jump. Yeah, well, it's it's all really coming down to the hour ball game. I mean, it really is. I mean, you know, obviously next week they got a snoozer. Not, no one's going to be talking about that game at all. Um, so they got a chance to maybe work on some things. But it's really going to come down to that Auburn game. And, uh, you know, that's – I mean, I hate to say it, but that is kind of looking like a toss-up right now. I'm being at Auburn. Um, you know, Alabama's defense has not been lights out by any means. And, you know, we don't know what their offense is going to look like. And that's a big game for Mac Jones to be getting his first start in, and that's a really, really good defense uh, he's going to be facing. I mean, I guess Mac Jones did start the Arkansas game, but I, I don't really count that. I wonder if Auburn beats Alabama, will Gus be safe? That's that's where I wonder because I wonder if the powers to be will just count that win because they didn't have two, so like it doesn't really count for them. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I I feel like if he wins, there's no way you can fire him. I mean, there's no way you can fire him after. He beats Alabama like when they're only got one loss, even if it is with the backup quarterback. I mean, I just feel like there's no way. Um, I think a lot of Auburn fans are upset right now, and they kind of have a right to be. Um, 
And I do think that this might be a good situation to move on from Malzahn just because uh, they're really losing a lot off this year's team on both lines of scrimmage. And they have a really good young quarterback. But Malzahn hasn't exactly been, you know, as has been well documented on this podcast, not the best developer of quarterbacks. Quarterbacks usually do not get better under him. And Bonex is not playing at a very high level right now. And, you know, you just have to start to think, like, you got this great young quarterback. You're losing four of your – I think four of their five offensive linemen are seniors. They're going to lose Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson on defense or two studs. And the secondary hasn't been good for the past few years. So, I mean, you start to look at it and you're just like, you know, maybe this is time for a change. Maybe this is a good time to just go ahead and hit the restart button because next year doesn't look like it's going to be too promising either. And then you got to go to Auburn – I'm sorry, you got to go to Georgia – and to Alabama next year. So, I mean, you start looking at all those things, and, you know, maybe it is a good time for Auburn to move on from Malzahn. Um, you know what I mean? Because next year, um, you know, I, it doesn't look too promising. And I don't think that there's really anything you can do. You know, I know I'm contradicting myself a little bit here about saying, like, if he beats Alabama, they should keep him. But I just don't know how you fire him after you lose, after you win that game. You know what I mean? That's the point I'm coming back around to. So, if they lose, I think they have an excuse to get rid of him. Um, and they should go, you know, maybe go ahead and take it. Uh, but if they win, I don't think you can fire him. I, mean, I really don't. I think you have to keep him for another year and just let just fire him next year. Think but it I, seems like we've been saying that forever. Yeah. Think <laughs> think how bad that would sound though if they fired him after going nine and three and finishing in the top fifteen. Because I mean, that yeah. And and his last his last win is a win over a top five team in the country with one loss. You know what I mean? The arch rival. Yeah. It'll um it'll be fun to play out the. The exciting slash worrying thing is I feel like uh, the more Memphis wins under Norvell, the more people are accepting of him as a good coach. Because right now I think like he's a – he could get a good – we'll call it like a B-level job, so like a top 25 job. But like that top 15, top 10 job, I feel like most of those programs that are looking for coaches think he's not good enough. So like USC, Florida State, they're not ready for hiring somebody like Norvell. But obviously Arkansas is, but – um, you know, if he finishes out the year 11 and one or 12 and one with American Athletic Conference Championship, I feel like Auburn, Florida State, we're like, oh, well, he's actually yeah. really, really good and we can hire him. Right. And if Auburn lets go of Malzahn, that's just one more big job to come open uh, for him to, you know, entertain. It, yeah. Yeah. That's why, like, you know, Norville is not looking for a job right this moment because he knows that there's still a couple of big jobs that can come open. Um, and I know Arkansas probably will make a play for him, but. Um, if Norvell's smart, he'll wait until some of those big jobs are filled before, um, you know, looking down. Because obviously, going into a situation like Auburn versus um, Arkansas is two completely different situations. And you know, just like I said, neither team's going to be great next year. But at least with Auburn, you know, you got some things to work with, and you got a good young quarterback to build around. Uh, but Arkansas has kind of got a long way to go right now, and you know, is a harder program to recruit to than Auburn is. Um, you know, I think if you start looking at programs that can win a national championship, um, you know, there's maybe only like 15, 16 in the country and Auburn's definitely one of them and Arkansas, maybe not. So I think you kind of have to look at that uh, if you're in Norvell, but you know, obviously there's going to be some, a few jobs open. There's going to be a lot of big candidates too. Um, Auburn's getting more, more enticing, I would think just because a potential coaching candidate would have to consider, Saban's age and how how old he is and how much time he has left coaching. I mean, we make a joke that he's going to coach forever, but I mean, he can't. He's going to start showing at some point in the future. He's going to start showing signs of decline, and 
um, it would be a good time for Auburn, the coach and the program Auburn, to take over the state. Uh, I don't. I mean, it depends on who Alabama can get, but um, I just think that Auburn could probably could possibly jump for, jump Alabama being the best team in the state if they have the right coach in place when Saban does decide to retire. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, it's not like Auburn played bad. I mean, the first few quarters, you know, offensively was definitely a struggle. Uh, but they, you know, were finally able to get some things going. I think Bonex running the ball was was huge for him. Um, but I mean, he's just he's not where he needs to be as a passer right now. I mean, I don't know if you saw that fourth and short yeah. where they had the fullback wide open or the H back whatever wide open in the flat, and he just like totally missed him. Like just an easy throw, and just totally freaking missed him. I mean, it's just things like that. Um, you know, he he definitely needs some more coaching. Well, you you saw that game though before that missed pass it was like almost a layup there he missed the overthrew the uh running back whoever it was there was a lot of good plays so like i feel like you saw a lot of good bow bad bow in that game yeah obviously he's, he's fun to watch with when he can run but sometimes with running quarterbacks they almost like kind of don't see the whole field of the potential receivers they could throw to i think there was like one play where he ran the ball for like seven yards or something like that in that fourth quarter on that drive and he could have thrown it to shorts or somebody on the uh, crossing path and probably yeah. or, but he didn't see that cause he was just trying to get out of the way and run. Yeah. And I mean, he definitely um, is not where he needs to be as a passer right now. And I mean, you can just tell that it's pretty much like he drops back, looks for Seth Williams. If he's not open, he's just going to drop and run, you know, you just tug it and run. Um, he had 50 pass attempts. Um, and only 13 rushes in this one. Um, just, you know, to, to have 50 pass attempts and not even crack 250 yards um, passing is, you know, definitely not great. Um, you know, you definitely, if you're going to throw the ball that many times, you definitely want a little bit more production than that. Um, and really, Seth Williams has been, like, their only consistent target. I mean, Schwartz has been solid as well. He had seven catches, but um, – you know, it just seems like for the most part, he's just looking to Williams or Schwartz, whoever the plays is on for. And then if it's not there, he's just dropping and running. And, um, you know, he's just – I mean, I know he's still a true freshman, but he's played a ton of football already. And, you know, he's the five-star, like, can't miss, going to be the next, you know, whoever, Roger Stallback or whoever. <laughs> um, and, like, he just comes in and, like, you know, we just need to see more. And, like, you know, we saw some good things in that fourth quarter. Like, I mean, I, I will say – um, you know, before that first touchdown drive, um, I was about ready to um, throw Gus Malzahn under the bus and Bonex under the bus completely and say that, um, you know, they're both just very overrated and not what they claim to be. But, you know, once they figured some things out in the fourth quarter, you know, it looked like maybe they had something to build on. But, um, you know, right now this Auburn offense is, is not where it needs to be. Yeah. I mean, Georgia's defense is really good. Uh I think I think they're a really good team, uh, and we need to give them some credit here. Uh, you know, Georgia fans get kind of frustrated with the lack of creativity for their offense and not throwing the ball down the field. But I mean, as a fan, I, I would definitely take Georgia as a team as a whole over most of the teams in the country. They're very reliable on defense and offense, for that matter. They're just not not going to you know set the world on fire with their offense sometimes, but um, they're very well coached and well disciplined and they just look like, look like a good team. And I'm, I'm really yeah. excited for 
the SEC championship with Georgia and LSU. Yeah, I am too. That's going to be a great matchup. And Georgia's a more complete team than LSU is right now. I mean, you look at LSU's offense and their passing game, and you just think like, oh, wow, they're just going to, you know, throw all over Georgia. And, I mean, I'm not saying they won't have some success, but LSU's got a lot of questions on the defensive side. And Georgia is um, a little bit more of a complete team. And um, to be honest, like Georgia's passing game, like, yeah, it's been underwhelming, but they haven't really needed it a ton. You know what I mean? Like they had the one long pass play in this game from Fromm, but Fromm protects the ball. He's smart with it. And he just, you know, he's going to, he's going to do He's been a game manager this year, but that's been like all they've needed him to be. And we know that the talents there, I mean, that, you know, ball he threw to Blaylock was a dime, like, early in the game. I mean, that was, like, right on the money, perfect pass. Um, so, I mean, we know it's in them. Uh, we just need to see a little bit more from those, you know, Georgia receivers because they're a lot of possession guys, but they don't really have that, that you know, deep playmaker. And, um, you know, like I said, I mean, that big offensive line in that running game is kind of what carries them. And, uh, you know, they're going to rely on that and, and their defense to win games. And, um, you know, looking at the SEC championship game, you know, you just start to think maybe Georgia can get that running game going and Fromm's going to complete some passes and on some third downs. And, um, you know, just like he was able to do against Florida. And uh, it's going to be a really fun matchup because LSU's offense hasn't faced the defense as good as Georgia's. And uh, the best defense they have faced this year was Auburn, who um, yardage-wise maybe didn't do great against LSU, but was still able to hold them down, I think, to the 23 points in that game. So, um you know, it'll definitely be an exciting matchup for sure. What I'm kind of rooting for is a Georgia win in the SEC championship against an undefeated LSU, mm-hmm. and then you could probably – I would think at that point you would have two SEC teams in the playoff. Um, you look at LSU, they, they almost, like, have a, a freebie to lose a game here. I mean, they, they're not going to lose to Arkansas, and I doubt they'll lose to A&M, but, um, you know, they – they lose to Georgia in the championship and like the, it's not the end of the world for them. Cause I, I think they're, they're basically in almost no matter what right now, as long as they went out these last two games, finished undefeated, um, losing to LH, losing to Georgia in the championship would be uh, kind of interesting and fun playoff debate at that point for all the one loss teams. And LSU would definitely have an upper hand with beating Alabama and Texas, Auburn, Florida. They, they beat a pretty good schedule. A lot of good teams. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they're kind of playing with house money right now. I mean, they really are. And Joe Burrow is um, just running away with the husband. I don't think there's really anyone close to him right now. Even with a couple interceptions he threw uh, against Ole Miss, I still think he's kind of the leader there. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I think, you know, just like you said, Georgia wins that SEC championship game. You're going to have two SEC teams in, whether people want to admit it or not. It's going to be LSU and Georgia both making it in. Probably Georgia's at three and LSU is the four seed. Um, and that would be quite a matchup with uh, LSU and Ohio State, and then um, LSU, or, and then Georgia and Clemson. Those would be two really exciting matchups. Yeah, and uh, speaking of Clemson, I mean they just absolutely destroyed Wake Forest. Um, they didn't hit the over, by the way, which was like fifty nine, and I was kind of disappointed at that. But um, they definitely covered the spread. Um, Clemson, I don't know how much you're watching of them now. I think that game was on the ACC network, and I don't have that yet here in Atlanta. I don't think I do at least, but um, I think Clemson might be peaking at the right time. They're looking a lot better than they did to start the year. Yeah, they definitely are. And I mean, they're just starting to get some things clicking on offense in the passing game. Um, you know, I had some questions about their defense coming into the year and the defense has actually been really solid all season. 
Um, it's kind of been the offense has taken a while to get together, which is really surprising considering uh, they have so much back from last year. Uh, but it looks like they have really figured out some things on offense and um, their defense is just dominant. I mean, they, Wake Forest is not a bad offense and they just completely shut them down. Um, I mean, Wake Forest only had 105 yards of total offense and two uh, turnovers for uh, Clemson this one as well. I mean, that's just like – I mean, that's really impressive. Um, and I know that their schedule has not been the most difficult, um, but they're definitely – they're no one's talking about them because their schedule has been so soft, but they're going to have a lot to say about the national championship because uh, their defense is playing lights out right now. And uh, with Lawrence and those receivers getting going and Travis Etienne is still – you know, maybe the best running back in the country. So, I mean, they're a serious national championship contender for, you know, considering no one's talking about them at all, really. Yeah, are they going to play – they could play Virginia Tech, Virginia, or Pittsburgh in the ACC championship. I hope it's Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's – I mean, yeah. I'm not to – we'll not talk too much about non-SEC teams for a second, but um, Virginia Tech's had a nice little yeah, comeback season. They started off pretty bad, and they destroyed Georgia Tech this week, which I – thought was going to happen because Georgia Tech's still not great at all. But um, they've, they've had some nice wins here over the last um, couple weeks. And I just think they're they're a lot better than they were when they started the year. Yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, it's kind of good to see. Uh, I was really worried about um, our boy Fuente there for a minute. Um, I thought uh, things were going south for him. But they've really turned it around, which is good to see because I don't know if he actually is a good guy or not, but he seems like a pretty good guy. And I always liked pulling for him when he was at Memphis. Um, especially when they beat Ole Miss. So um, it's pretty fun to watch. And um, I'm always kind of pulling for him and Bud Foster as yeah. well. So it's good to see Virginia Tech kind of turning their season around a little bit. He's just so chill. He doesn't have, like, a electric personality like Coach O. And even then, Coach O, I feel like, doesn't even – he doesn't try to do anything crazy. He just – like, every time he talks, everybody just wants to see him do something goofy or say something stupid. So it's just – it's kind of – everybody, like, just roots for Coach O in the SEC. So it's, it's kind of fun to watch. Um Speaking of that, though, uh, I don't know if you ever got to see the, like, Kirby postgame How about them fucking dogs? Or, yeah, how about them fucking dogs? Wouldn't you want to run through the wall for your coach like that? <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. I can't believe he actually said that in the press conference. Like, like when I saw someone quoted that, I was like, oh, he must have just said that, like, in passing. But, no, like, I saw the video. He literally said it, like, in the press conference, like, with all the people and cameras and microphones in his face. <laughs> Could you imagine Saban saying no. that? Like, I if if he's saying that, then like he's actually pissed off. Yeah, I cannot. I feel like yeah. if you're the, the coach or you're excuse me, you're the player in the locker room, and Saban busts through and says, "How about the fucking tie?" Everybody's like, "Uh, do we uh, do we clap here? Do we get excited? <laughs> what do we do?" Yeah, I mean, but that that was just a really cool moment, and um, obviously a big win for Georgia. Probably, um, you know, I mean, Texas A&M is going to be a tough matchup for them next week, but. Um, I think Auburn was kind of their last, like, really big game uh, before the SEC championship game. And, um, you know, obviously with Texas A&M and Georgia Tech coming up, not easy wins by any means, um, especially Texas A&M and Georgia Tech being a rivalry game. But um, I think you have to feel pretty good for Georgia right now about going into that SEC championship game with that one loss. Switz had a good game, too. We haven't talked about him. He actually did pretty well for them. He had 106 yards on 17 carries. I thought that was a pretty good game overall by him. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, he's an electric player. And, um, you know, obviously that big offensive line deserves a lot of credit as well. But, uh, man, it is fun to see uh, DeAndre Swift make people miss and then kind of accelerate. Um, It's definitely, you know, it's definitely really fun to watch. And uh, 
you know, he definitely is one of the more explosive players in the conference. Yeah. Before we talk about the other games, as you see, um, I always like to ask you where you are with your, uh, with your coach at Mississippi State and, like, where you were with the game. So, uh, let me ask you this. So, this game started at uh, 11 a.m. This game was over pretty quickly. Um, like, can you just walk me through the emotions of being a Mississippi State fan watching this game and what you're thinking about the coach, the team, everything? Man, I'm so glad you asked me that. Um, I it's, – it's funny because, like, obviously, um, you know, Alabama comes out. I think the first drive they had, like, a you know, a couple of – short plays um, and it didn't really look like the offense was going anywhere. They had like a third and 10 um, after a, a, I think it was a, it was a, I'm looking at it now. So it was a four yard completion, a false start on Alabama, like a one yard run by Najee Harris, where, you know, the offensive line kind of got blown up a little bit. You're saying like, Oh man, like, you know, it's doing pretty good. Uh, came out, you know, had a couple of good first plays and then uh, immediately, um, long pass to uh, Jerry Judy on third and long, um, like right into Mississippi State territory, and then they score a couple plays later. Um, first play out, Tommy Stevens throws an interception literally on the first play of the game, and then Alabama has like a one-play uh, touchdown um, on the next play. So it, it literally like it went like three straight plays from scrimmage where Alabama touchdown, Mississippi State interception, Alabama touchdown, um, and we're like not even – entire minute into the game at this point um so that's kind of do you get mad do you get mad at the players ever or do you just get mad at the coach i mean it just depends like i i was definitely pretty mad at bob shoop early in this game the defense quarter for mississippi state because jerry judy was being covered by mississippi state's middle linebacker um and i just don't i don't know like what scheme you have in your playbook where that's that's the situation um obviously Alabama has a ton of awesome receivers and when they put four of them on the field, obviously you're going to have a mismatch somewhere, but it definitely shouldn't be a linebacker on, you know, probably the best receiver in the country. Um, and then, um, you know, obviously the second touchdown, they just ran Najee Harris on like a wheel route and like no one covered him. So I was just thinking to myself, like, man, like what are we doing on defense? Like, why are we um, like just not covering anybody? But I mean, um, Basically, then, you know, State goes, like, right down the field and scores a touchdown after, you know, it's 14 nothing. State goes, like, right down the field and scores a touchdown. You're thinking, like, oh, like, maybe, you know, we just made a couple mistakes and, you know, we're actually going to be in this game. And then, you know, I mean, Alabama just, like, they hit, like, every third down in the first half. Like, it would be, like, State would get, um, like, a, they would stop the run on first and second down, and then it would be, like, third and long, and then it would either be, like, pass interference or, like, a easy completion for a first down and you know you keep like giving them these third and longs with the, they're, that they're converting and um you know it was just it was definitely like really frustrating but honestly the worst part of the game was Saban's halftime interview when he said like he just put two out there like for practice like they weren't even concerned about like winning the game <laughs> like the, like that's the thing too is like so many people have like taken this situation they're just like oh wow this is such a tough game for Alabama and like you know like what a tough moment and like it's like man like Nick Saban's out here calling our team like practice like he's not even concerned about like winning or losing the game like and everyone wants to talk about like how bad they feel for Alabama because they're only beating state like 35 to 7 at halftime and their quarterback got hurt like I don't know man that, and then Station, that, Station's playing with a hurt quarterback all season I mean I know it's not like Tua but I mean still it's like man like I don't know that, that's that reminds where my, me. My, that's where my emotions took me. It was just like, man, like this is like where we've gotten like as a program. Like it's just sad. 
that reminds me, uh, I don't think anybody really cares, but I want to talk about it anyway, is that um, my my sophomore year of high school, run, running track, ran a two-mile race, and it's like eight, it's eight laps around the track, which is pretty far, but um, our, our rival, Houston, uh, came to our meet, and like I wasn't as good as anybody else that, that year, but um, I was running the race, running hard as hard as I could, and I was I didn't figure out till like halfway through the race that the Houston runners were like literally trying to run this race as a workout. So they were running every other lap hard and I would catch them on like the laps that they were like just chilling and then they would run really fast the next lap. And it just kind of reminds me of what you just said about this is a practice meet for them. I was like, man, this really makes me feel like a piece of shit right now <laughs> that like I'm trying hard as I can just to keep up. And they're literally could just run backwards and like still catch me. <laughs> And it's just, um, dude, it's, it's just, just a state of state of, state of football team right now. Holt. It's, uh, it's not great, but, um, Hey, maybe, uh, maybe brighter days will be ahead. Yeah. In well, I feel good about the defense. Like maybe next year. Um, I think they, um, showed some things The defensive line has been really young this year, but they've really stepped up later in the season. And, um, you know, I think they got some pieces maybe moving forward, but, um, offensively, I just don't know, like, how they're ever going to get better because I mean, they don't have any receivers and they don't have a quarterback. Like, I just don't know. Like they're probably going to lose. They're probably going to lose Kylan Hill after this year. Like, I just don't know like where like there, Joe Moore hasn't done anything that made me think the offense is going to be anything better than terrible next year. Can you get peace of mind knowing that Schrader is only a freshman and then maybe he'll be better next year. I mean, you're supposed to make the biggest improvement from year one to year two. Yeah. I mean, I like Schrader so far, but he's got a lot to go, uh, a long ways to go, like mechanics wise, and doesn't have like a cannon for an army there. He's more of like a, you know, accurate quarterback, I guess. Which I mean, not that there's anything wrong with being accurate, but um, it's definitely important. But you know, definitely doesn't have like a cannon or anything. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying like he won't be great. Like, I hope he is, but um, you know, I need to see a little bit more out of him. And the fact he did get that helicopter tackle. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, the fact that he hasn't been able to like fully beat out Tommy Stevens when Stevens hasn't even been playing that well either. Like, you know, I think says something as well. I did like the pregame of this uh, before this game started with uh, Saban and Moorhead like talking next to each other because it just it just showed the size difference. Oh, yeah. between Moorhead's huge. He looks like an offensive lineman. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to other games. Holt. Uh, so this. Florida Missouri game. This was um, I'm surprised that this was a CBS doubleheader game. I guess they have to pick eventually uh, one weekend to do a doubleheader, and for some reason this was the doubleheader weekend. But uh, this was a CBS game, and this wasn't super exciting. The only thing I have to take away from this game is um, I don't know when the rest of the SEC or the rest of the country is going to realize that Barry Odom is in fact not a great coach. But I think I've seen all I need to see. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. And, I mean, that's something that I've been saying on this podcast for, like, a year now. I mean, he's – like, what has Barry Odom done to, like, warrant him having an SEC job? Like, he was a defensive coordinator for Gary Pinkle, um, and then he took over. And, I mean, they just – they're just not a good football team. They haven't been a good football team under him. They don't play discipline. They don't play smart. They haven't really developed a lot of great players since he's been there. Like, I just don't really know – like, you know, they've this is two years in a row where like they've underachieved as a as a team. Um, they actually had a chance to be like pretty competitive this year. Instead, they lose to, you know, Wyoming. Wyoming. They lose to the you know the second worst team in the conference in Vanderbilt. 
you know, they lose on the road to Kentucky handily, just get absolutely dominated in that game. And then they show up for this game, they finally got Kelly Bryant back, and uh, their offense was just atrocious. Like, their offense was so bad. I mean, literally every time you looked up in this game, um, it was, you know, Kelly Bryant running for his life. And anytime you look at the stat sheet and the quarterback has, like, you know, double-digit carries for, like, less than 20 yards – like you know that he had a rough game, and I mean they were yeah. they were all over him pretty much the whole game. Um, I mean he completed some passes, um, but for the most part he was pretty much um, taken care of. Um, you know he got sacked three times, and um, you know they weren't able to do anything on the ground. Twenty nine carries for fifty two yards. Um, you know I don't know if it's Roundtree or the offensive line, but they've just been the running game has been very disappointing this year for Missouri. Um, definitely hasn't stepped up like we hoped it would. You know, the defense didn't play terrible. Um, you know, they they may, they got some stops early in the game, but Florida was just so conservative on offense because they knew that Missouri's offense couldn't do anything. And, um, you know, you just kind of hate to see it. I mean, you know, if, if you're Missouri, like, I I mean, I'm not saying they should fire Barry Odom, but, like, I, I just know that I would. Like, if it, was, if it was up to me and I was in charge of Missouri and I wanted them to win, I would, like, I would get somebody else, get somebody better. This year three for him or year two? I'm looking Yeah, I was about to say, please uh, look that up because I'm not 100%. It's been too long, though. I'll tell you that. Anytime you have back-to-back, like, like pretty underachieving seasons, it's pretty bad. Like, last year they – I mean, they underachieved, but at least they, like, had some high points. This year has just been a complete and total, like, underachieving season. I mean, there isn't really anything you can say about this team that, like, you know, was, like, a positive. I mean, there, there hasn't this... really been any positive moments in the season for this team. Like, I think their probably their best moment was beating, like, Ole Miss at home. I mean, or, or yeah. West Virginia at home. I mean, that that's pretty much, like, the best their season's been. So, um, I'm looking at it now. We were both wrong. This is actually year four for him. The problem, the problem with Barry Odom is that, like, if you want to fire him, you you can, but it's kind of like the Butch Jones syndrome. Is like, you know, you know, the teams are underperforming, but like, if you just look at it at a high level, it doesn't make sense to fire him because he went four and eight the first year, seven and six second year, eight and five year three. So he's improving each year. So you can't necessarily fire a coach that's improving each year, even though the team might be underwhelming. Now this year, he's there's gonna be the first year where he's not gonna win as many games because they're. They're five and five, or I mean, I guess they could go eight and five still. Let me look at their schedule. They still have to play. No, they still have to play Georgia. Uh, no, Tennessee, yeah, Arkansas. Tennessee they and Arkansas. Yeah. So I guess and they got Tennessee at home, so they can still win that. Um, so they can finish. They get finished uh, seven and five with a bowl and yeah. eight. Well, they're not going to a bowl game. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, but well, I mean, I guess it just comes down to Saturday. Then I mean, if they win on Saturday, um, maybe you can salvage the season a little bit because um, you know. I mean, even though they did lose to Vanderbilt, I mean, I don't think they'll lose to Arkansas, but um, they did lose to Vanderbilt, so um, I don't really know. But either way, I mean, they, they've just been a huge disappointment this season. And, um, you know, I think they had a chance to maybe win 10 games in the regular season um, based on their yeah. talent. And, I mean, I know Kelly Bryant got banged up, but that's still no excuse to lose to Vanderbilt and to get blown out by Kentucky either. Um, this game specifically – Florida just didn't look like they were like unbeatable in this no. game. I mean, they 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 played decent, but like it was a game where you feel like you could have competed a lot more than you did, especially at home. I felt like there was a chance to 
make this a lot closer than it was, if not win the game. Yeah, no, it definitely was. I mean, if their offense would have been able to create any kind of explosive play in this game, they they would have had a shot to win it. I mean, yeah. But fortunately, they weren't able to do anything. Kelly Bryant had someone in his face pretty much the whole game, and um, Florida's defense and Todd Grantham really had a big game. Yeah. Let's move on to the other games in SEC. Texas A&M beat South Carolina very easily here. Uh, 30 to six. AM now is back in the top 25. Um, I think they still play Georgia next week and then, um, still get scheduled Georgia and LSU. So they should probably lose both of these games, especially because they're on the road. Tough schedule. But, um, AM is, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe them. They're, they look good in this game. They beat the teams they're supposed to beat, but they can't compete against the really great teams. Yeah. I mean, and I wouldn't even consider Texas A&M. Um, I'm sorry, are you saying Texas A&M can't compete against great teams or South Carolina? Texas A&M can't compete against right. the great yeah. teams. Right, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I'm, I feel like they're kind of like in purgatory right now in the SEC. Yeah. Like, I think well, I may have made that reference last week. I'm not sure. But it's basically like the, the top, you know, it's basically, um, you know, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, and Auburn oh. and Florida are all like good teams in the SEC. And then there's like, you know, like Tennessee and South Carolina and everybody, all those other teams that are like on like the, you know, shitty, shitty team category. And then like, there's just A&M like, you know, right there in the middle between, they're not like in either category. They're kind of like all by themselves, like in that like middle, middle ground, um, you know, at like sixth place in the SEC um, where they're like the only program in the SEC that isn't like either a good team or a a bad team. Um, They've just been, pretty average they've lost the teams they're supposed to lose to and they've been the teams they're supposed to beat um which i mean there's nothing wrong with that i mean um you know i know texas and fans would like to see a little bit more this year and i definitely agree that you know kellamond hasn't progressed into the great player we thought he could be um but you know you have to give their defense credit in this game their defense was dominant um i think you have to uh, put South Carolina right up there with Missouri as, as far as having like the worst offensive performance uh, in the conference. Um, just <laughs> absolutely terrible. Um, no other way to say it. Just a future offensive performance uh, by South Carolina in this one. Um, you find it interesting that the athletic director for South Carolina came out after this game in support of Muschamp and gave him a vote of confidence. Cause I mean, a lot of people would be kind of speculating on what his future looks like in South Carolina, if there is going to be next year for him. Yeah. I mean, it's just tough. Like it's one thing to sit there and say before the season, like, yeah, the schedule is really tough and it's going to be tough to get to six wins and all this stuff. But then when you actually have to go through it, I mean, if you're a South Carolina fan watching this game, I mean, what hope do you have? Like this was just, I mean, there aren't enough words to describe how bad South Carolina was on offense in this game. Um, you know, the defense kept them in it, but, you know, the fourth quarter, Texas A&M was finally able to break through on offense um, and kind of, you know, break the back of the South Carolina defense. But, um, I mean, man, like, it's just – if you're a South Carolina fan, I don't know how, um, you know, you feel good about where you're at right now. And um, But I, I'm still going to say, like, they should give Muschamp one more year. Um, I think they should give him one more year, um, but that's just my opinion. Um, I definitely wouldn't blame him if they fired much champ. I thought that it was a joke that they hired him in the first place. Um, but at the same time, when you hired him, you knew who he was. You knew what you were going to get. Um, 
And if they want to be like an average um, to slightly above average program and not, you know, not terrible, then, and you know, or just try to avoid being terrible, then maybe he's a good hire. But if you actually expect to be consistently competitive and, um, you know, potentially like compete with Georgia and uh, Florida in the division, then, you know, I'm not sure he's going to be your guy long-term. Yeah. Um, think how much he would have just plummeted had he stayed at Texas and been the head coach in waiting like he was supposed to be when Mac Brown left or uh, stayed. Yeah. Cause I think he was the head coach in waiting until Mac Brown. I think, I don't know if Mac Brown was fired or if he just resigned or how it went down, but I know he left, but just think about that for a second. Cause he would have not done well at all at Texas with high expectations. No, definitely not. And I mean, that's the thing too, is, you know, you look at these coordinators and everyone thinks you're going to make great head coaches and they don't always, you know what I mean? Sometimes yeah, I mean, it's just a chance that Kirby smart did well. I mean, it didn't, it wasn't like a sure thing. And like Jeremy Pruitt's still up in the air. Um, but you just, I feel like offensive coordinators, like you can, Reason I feel like they're a little bit more reliable if they're going to be a good coach or not. But defensive coordinators, they're all over the place. Like Barry Odom's another one. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I didn't think Barry Odom was like a great defensive coordinator. I thought it was good, but um, you know, I mean, Muschamp was definitely like the hot name for a few years. Yeah. Um, he really had some great defenses and was a outstanding recruiter. I mean, just a really, really good recruiter, and still is. Um, and I mean, it's easy to see why. You know, he's definitely got a great personality and someone that the fans and the players um, and the parents all can connect to. Um, so, you know, he's definitely an easy guy to pull for, but at the end of the day, you got to win games. And that's what it comes down to. You know, recruiting is great, gets everybody excited. But, you know, when you come out and you can't do anything with the players you recruited, then it kind of defeats the purpose. Do we need a whole podcast for Lim Bowden or Lim Bowden? Dude, we really do. I mean, he's been an absolute monster. Like, he's – like, honestly, like, we may have to change, like, our Twitter name from SEC Slow Smoke to, like, Lim Bowden fan page. I mean, he's just been – it's been incredible what he's been able to do this year. I mean, they actually uh, – they really let him air it out this week, Alex. He threw the ball ten times. Um, so Yeah. It, he completed eight of them, one of them even for a touchdown. I don't know if you saw, but it was actually a tip pass. Um, hey, I'm so confused. Who was their starting quarterback even to start the year? Well, it was Terry Wilson. He got hurt. Right. And then Sawyer That's Smith. Right. And then he got hurt. Um, so they've been going with Bowden ever since. But, yeah. And then, of course, he had another 100-yard rushing game. 17 carries, 110 yards, and a touchdown. Um, and then a, a huge game from uh, Christopher Rodriguez. Um, uh, solid running back. Seems like running backs just like grow on trees for Kentucky. Uh, 15 carries, 129 yards, two touchdowns. Vasier smoke, 15 carries, 95 yards, and a touchdown. So uh, three ball carriers came close to 100 yards rushing. Um, and, I mean, even Rose had 67 on the ground. So the fact that, you know, everybody knows they're going to run the ball um, and they're still able to have a huge game on the ground is really impressive, rushing for 400 yards in this game. Um, and then having, you know, not only Bowden, but then three solid running backs to get the ball to as well. Um you know, you got to give Kentucky and Mark Stoops a lot of credit. Um, they definitely had the potential to be, you know, a, a four and eight, three and nine type team this year, but they really bounced back and uh, made the most out of their season this year. And uh, it's really good to see. Yeah. Who would win coach of the year? I mean, I don't think he would win it just because um, it's going to be, I mean, I guess they finish out seven and five and that, that can definitely be a thing, but like, you'd have to think, 
Uh, it's crazy to think, but Jeremy Pruitt could be in it just because he gets the benefit of the doubt for how bad they started and how good they look now. But him, um, you could put Coach O in there, and I think that might be it. I don't know who else you could put in there for Coach of the Year. You know, for what he's done at LSU this year and how much they've been able to improve on the offensive side. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think those are two really good candidates. Um, and, you know, Mark Stevens doesn't get, like, a ton of support, but what he's been able to do with the team this year has been really impressive. Oh, yeah, other than the spectrum, Derek Mason has to be gone, right? I mean, he could win next week against East Tennessee, East Tennessee State, and then he could, I guess, win against Tennessee because that's what they've done the last couple few years. But um, – it's just it's not looking good for him finishing out three and nine and keeping his job next year. I mean, I don't necessarily know if they need to fire him, but I mean, I definitely would understand if they did. Um, you know, like I mean, like I was just saying, Kentucky coming out, um, basically everyone knows they're going to run the ball, and for them to come up and put up four hundred rushing yards in this game, um, I mean, that's just that's just really tough. And Vanderbilt is not up for this game at all. They made some plays in the first quarter that, you know, looked like they were going to be, you know, in control of this game. Um, so, um, you know, it looked like after, you know, after the first quarter that they were going to be, I guess, in the game. But their defense just totally, like, laid an egg, and then their offense just disappeared. Um, so, you know, you hate to see it, and, you know, if Vanderbilt decides that they want to fire Derek Mason, like I understand it. I don't like it, but I understand it. Um, I think that Derek Mason deserved, you know, more support um, from the fan base and more support from the donors than he got. Um, and I think that, you know, short of pulling an upset against Tennessee um, at the end of the year, I think it's going to be pretty tough for, or I don't think he's going to be able to keep his job. Um, you know, I, I would, just like I said, I would like to see them, uh, keep him around, but um, you know, I, at this point, I do expect him to be fired by Vanderbilt. So sad. He'll, he'll bounce back and find a coordinator job, I'm sure, if he wants to. I mean, he could definitely get into the uh, SEC network and just have a cushy job like uh, Chizik. But we'll we'll see where he goes from here. If- do you remember when uh, Lou Holtz used to do like the pep talk thing on like college football final? Dude, I that out of all the people that's been on ESPN, he's probably the one that I dislike the most. I feel like a lot of people disliked him too. Maybe that's why he's not there anymore. But but yeah, I was just gonna say like it'd be funny if they just had like a segment where Derek Mason just came in and, like gave a pep talk. Yeah, his would be a little bit more uh, fun than Lou Holtz too, especially because he um, he gets a little more animated than Lou Holtz does. Yeah, I I just I would just like to see him like you know come in and give like a big like pregame speech like on TV. We talked about LSU Ole Miss for a little bit. Um, the only thing I'm curious about, Holt, is there some back and forth between Ole Miss and state fans about who lost by more this weekend? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know like a ton of Ole Miss fans to be honest. So I don't know like for sure. Um, I'm sure that there is somewhere along the line. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Ole Miss was able to 
you know, put some stuff together in the second half. Uh, LSU completely dominated the first half. I think they were up like 31-7 at halftime. But uh, Ole Miss came out. Um, Plumlee had a couple long runs in the second half. And, um, you know, our three long runs, actually, um, against that LSU defense. And, you know, really made things uncomfortable for LSU. LSU was never in, like, a position to lose this game. But it definitely, you know, Ole Miss was definitely a thorn in their side for the pretty much the entire second half um, until they were finally able to put it away. And, um, you know, it's been pretty fun to watch Plumlee. Um, he's one of the more explosive players in the conference. And, um, you know, playing quarterback is obviously just really fun um, seeing him create some big plays um, in the running game. Yeah, for sure. Um, Ole Miss has definitely looked better and better um, since they've started the year losing to Memphis. Cause that team could not do anything on offense now. They have a little bit more of a uh, dynamic and explosive offense. Um, let's talk about games around the country. Whole, um, I'm, we've talked about Jalen Hurts for a little bit, but that game was crazy. Um, I, I was like, I think I was cooking dinner. By the way, I made homemade pizza this past weekend. Highly recommend getting Papa John's instead. <laughs> yeah, was, I've I've definitely not mastered the art of making a pizza at home yet. It it was decent, but it was a lot of work. And I think Papa John's is cheaper in the end anyway, because like the crust, because I bought the crust instead of making my own. And that was like five dollars by itself, and like you could, you could find a pizza for like seven or eight dollars at Papa John's. Little Caesars five, so yeah. Well, that's the other thing too is, um, like you can make your own dough, and it's actually like really easy. But you need a, you need a food processor. Well, uh, homegirl was telling me that it's cheap and uh, easy. I don't necessarily think I think there's like some like pre made dough you can buy that. Um, is makes it even easier than what you're talking about. Yeah, well, I think all you need is like some flour and then like yeah. some like some of that yeast, like instant yeast or whatever, and then you just like put it in a food processor and like it'll it'll like dough it up for you. You just keep it going until it's like you know dough, and yeah. um, then you can kind of like make it as thin or as thick as you want. Um, but you know, if you don't have a food processor, you can't really do it. But um, I was m- busy making my pizza and I like wasn't watching the uh Oregon and Oregon the Oklahoma Baylor game and I came back to it and so I was like 28 to 3 I was like what the hell happened like this has to be a joke and couldn't believe what was happening and then I came come back to it later I see Oklahoma starting to come back and I'm like no way they're gonna win this game and they end up winning the game it was uh it was a great game starting from the second half on uh I think and I think it's kind of funny that um it was 28 to 3 because did you see the Falcons yeah yeah that's pretty funny, I thought. Yeah, the Falcons making the 28-3 to reference because of the Super Bowl a few years ago. But, yeah, I mean, I tell you what, like, um, you know, it, it's easy to blame Baylor's defense, I guess. But, like, it's really – like, I can't help but blame their offense. Like, how do you get shut up by Oklahoma for a whole half? Like, Oklahoma's defense is terrible. Like, literally all they had to do was put together one drive in the second half and they couldn't do anything, like – you know, you knew Oklahoma wasn't going to be held down the whole game. Um, like, when they were down, um, you know, I guess 28 to 3 or whatever, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, well, you know, Oklahoma's going to get to 28. You know what I mean? Like, the question is, like, how many – like, like what can Baylor get to? You know what I mean? Like, can they – like – because you knew Oklahoma was going to make a comeback. Their offense is just too good. Um, and I just – I can't believe that Baylor's offense just – completely laid an egg and got shut out in the second half. Like, that's just – that's absolutely crazy to me. Yeah, I, I love following the freezing cold takes throughout the game because they're up 28-3, to three, 
And you have people on Twitter saying like, okay, the Giants need to hire Matt Rule as their head coach because he's from that, that area, New Jersey area. And everybody's like, all right, they need to hire him because he's, he's doing too great at Baylor. And he, he is a good coach. To bring Baylor to where they are today from where he started um, is pretty incredible. But um, And then on the other end of the spectrum, everybody from Oklahoma fans were saying that, oh, I can see why uh, Tua beat out Jalen and why they didn't play Jalen as much. And then he ends up having – I mean, Joe Burrow, everybody thinks he's going to win the Heisman, and I think he is. But Jalen Hurts had a Heisman-like performance in the second half. Oh, no, he definitely did. And, I mean, you just got to appreciate, like, how calm and collected he is. Like, that's it, – it always calm. amazes me. Like, he's just always so, like, calm and confident, like, no matter, like, what the situation is. Like, you just, like – you can't tell if they were up by 50 or down by 50. Like, he's just always the same person. Yeah. A few other games. Um, these games weren't close, but it kind of – confirms my excitement for the Pac-12 championship with Oregon and Utah both winning this weekend. Both of them are top 10 teams, and that could be an outside playoff team, top four or number four seed, I guess, especially if there's a two-loss uh, two teams around them. Um, I think that's going to be fun. They both won this game, uh, their games, easily this weekend, so that's something exciting. Um, are you glad P.J. Fleck and Minnesota lost hold? Uh, well, no, because I picked them in our picks contest. Um, do you you find him annoying? Or are you like a big like? Oh man, this is kind of cool. No, he's definitely annoying. Um, <laughs> but it's you know like when he's winning, you know it seems like he might like really be onto something. Um, yeah. But like when they're losing, he just looks like an idiot. Like, did you see him like get that personal foul or uh, I guess was it unsportsmanlike or he he got a fifteen yard penalty because he like ran out onto the field. Um, like no, like when, it, oh, it was crazy. Like the, the they were like down on the goal line. He literally ran from like the sideline all the way like onto the field, um, to like, um, I don't know if he was like if there was like a scrum and he was pulling his player back or like what he was doing, but he got like, um, all the way out there. They threw the flag and then the ref like had to like escort him like off the field. Like that it was just sad. it was just a really bad look and um. But, yeah, I mean, Minnesota, uh, their defense just really did not come out playing well. Um, Iowa was able to move the ball, like, right down the field on them. And, um, you know, they had the the freshman running back, Goodson, had, like, a huge first half. He was just, like, running all over the place. And, um, you know, Minnesota, uh, their quarterback, Tanner Morgan, played another outstanding game. Um, he didn't get a ton of help from his receivers. They had some really bad drops. You know, that play I just referenced, it was actually a drop pass on the fourth down. Um, that was huge. Um, like, Minnesota had a chance to tie the game on that drive, and um, the receiver dropped a pass on fourth down. There was some other huge drops in this game by those receivers. So, really hate to see it, um, you know, if you're a Minnesota fan. And, um, you know, it seems like Iowa always has that one big home win every year, and uh, this was it for them. Are you a believer in the turnaround for Michigan's offense now? I mean, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I think ever since that second half against Penn State, they've really kind of turned things around and, um, you know, they're kind of figuring some things out on offense. Um, I still don't think they're quite on Ohio State's level. Um, but, I mean, hey, I mean, Shea Patterson, 24 for 33, 384 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. So, huge game for Shea Patterson. And, you know, I know a lot of Michigan fans are excited to see that. And, um, you know, I – I think the the Ohio State game is at least interesting now. 
Um, I still don't think that Michigan is quite on that level, but um, at least like you could maybe talk yourself into that being an exciting game. Yeah. Ohio State has – I mean, I feel like they have to lose one game every year. I mean, I don't – I can't remember. I mean, maybe I have short-term memory, but I can't remember the last time they just ran through the season undefeated and didn't lose to the team they weren't supposed to lose to. So, um, Michigan and Penn State both are going to be fun games going up. Penn State also struggled against Indiana, so that's kind of kind of worrying a yeah. little bit. But Indiana, uh, Yeah, Indiana is, like, low-key not terrible this year. Yeah. Um, other games uh, – surprising – that Notre Dame just killed Navy. And I think that might be partly just because, you know, you get a lead on Navy and it's really hard for them just to come back and just score 40 points to get back in the game. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what you have to do to me is uh, when you're playing these triple option teams, you got to get out to a fast start and uh, you know, don't let them dictate the pace of the game early uh, because they can, you know, next thing you know, it'll be the third quarter and you know, it's a one possession game. So um you know, really good job by Ian Book and that Notre Dame offense to come out and move the ball early. Um, I think they scored on their first two or three drives. Um, but either way, um, yeah, it was their first – oh, it was their first four drives, actually. Yeah, they pretty much just came out and dominated this game, uh, like, right away. I'm actually looking at the drives right right now. It was their first drive touchdown, second drive touchdown, third drive touchdown, fourth drive touchdown, fifth drive field goal, sixth drive touchdown. Yeah, so they th- – I mean, it was like their – it was 45-3 to three, uh, before they even pointed. So, they pretty much came out and dominated this game. I didn't – honestly, when I looked it up, I didn't even think it was going to be that bad. I thought – because I knew they scored in their first, like, two, maybe three drives. But apparently they scored in their first, like, seven drives. So, yeah, it, uh, was, it was a blow. They, it's not even – the final score doesn't do justice how – Yeah, because like, it was it was 45-3, to three, like, early in the second quarter. Um, and then yeah. it ended up 52-20. to 20, So, definitely, like, looked respectable. But Notre Dame pretty much came out and, like, took care of business. But, yeah, I didn't yeah. – obviously, once it was 14, I knew it was over. So, I didn't really – there was a lot of other really good games on. So, I didn't really pay any attention to it. We have confirmation uh, yet again that Texas is, in fact, not back. Nope. So would... The Texas back meter is down to definitely not. Yes. Um, I would say it's a good team, though. I mean, that wasn't a game – I think – I don't know what the line was. I think it might have been Iowa State minus three, actually. It was minus seven. Oh, it got seven. Yeah. yeah. So, was, uh... this one I actually did watch because this was our other bet that I lost. Um, shout out to JB for uh, winning two out of three against me um, and has, has a comfortable two-game lead on me with two weeks left. Um, but, uh, yeah, this game, Iowa State pretty much dominated, but they couldn't finish drives off and get in the end zone. And that allowed Texas to kind of stay in the game. And uh, 14 fourth-quarter points for Texas. And all of a sudden, they had the lead with, like, five minutes left. Iowa State was able to mount a drive. Um, and a huge mistake on a field goal attempt by Iowa State. Texas had used um, all three timeouts to preserve two minutes left in the game for um, Iowa State's go-ahead field goal so that – um, you know, they would obviously have two minutes left to uh, mount their own drive. And obviously with Dicker the kicker, you know that you got a pretty solid chance of making a game-winning field goal if you're Texas. Um, third and – fourth and five, and um, Texas's defensive lineman jumps off sides, gives Iowa State a first down, which allows them to run out the clock and then kick the game-winning field goal with no time left. And uh, Iowa State gets the win uh, in Ames against their former offensive coordinator, Tom Herman. A lot of people don't know that. 
Ooh, I did not remember that. Um, I just remember him being at Houston and Ohio State. That's all I can remember. Um, last game I want to talk about, but not really talk about the game, more talk about the situation is um, Nebraska lost um, to Wisconsin, and it wasn't really that close. But the thing I do want to talk about is that Nebraska did give uh, Scott Frost a seven-year contract extension either before or after this game, uh, which is a little puzzling, but – the only way I can think about it making sense is that they're trying to extend him at a low point of his tenure so it can be cheaper. I guess that's the only thing I can make of it. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm anxious to see what the buyout would be. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I just – I sort of feel like that since he's a Nebraska guy and he was, like, such a big, like, obvious home run hire, kind of like, you know, Jim Harbaugh was at Michigan – uh, maybe to a little bit lesser extent, but still similar. Um, I think that he's kind of just their guy, and they're just going to give him every opportunity uh, to succeed there, and they're just going to have to wait until he just really proves he's not the guy before they, they let go of him. Um, and Nebraska got off to a pretty decent start in this game, um, at least early in the second quarter. I believe they had the lead, and then Wisconsin was able to just uh, totally run away with it. So, um, you know, Wisconsin's a better team this year. And they got the win on the road, but if you're in Nebraska, you just you really just hope to see more um, at this point. You know, you just you haven't seen enough uh, progress, and you just want to see some signs that this team is actually moving in the right direction. Kind of crazy to think about Nebraska being so good in like the '90s or whenever whenever it was, because uh, they they don't have like fertile recruiting grounds in that area. So it's just kind of interesting to see that they were so good then and like. Like if they didn't have their history, then it wouldn't be a great job because it's it seems like it'd be a tough place to win given um, what conference they're in and just their recruiting area. Right. I mean, it's definitely not an easy place to win. Really, the only things that they have to sell at this point in time are tradition and like a really you know loyal fan base, a really big fan base, um, and just very supportive fan base. So um, you know, I mean, those are definitely some things to sell, but. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to talk someone from Texas or California or Florida um, into going to Lincoln, Nebraska, you know, for college. So um, they really got a lot um, to overcome, but uh, they, they have to find ways to be creative with it and um, be, you know, be a little bit different. That's all I have for this podcast. Hold any final words before we break for the week 13 uh, preview. Nope, that's all we got. Um, hopefully, Mr. Uh, State will fire Jim Moorhead before our next podcast. Yeah. But and I'm not counting on it. want to be sure to tell everybody to buy more Duracell and keep us keep us afloat here. And uh, listen to us on uh, Apple Podcasts and subscribe to us. And... Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.